0: Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis.
1: Listen to you move your mouth, I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough listening to you talk that stuff. Welcome to Talk Money, and now here's your host,
2: Jim Shoemaker. And good morning and welcome to Talk Money. Talk Money is about health care, stocks and bonds, retirement, estate planning, and insurance. Talk Money, of course, as you know, is everything financial. Our guests bring their insights and perspectives about their topic of expertise. Remember, planning is not about the plan. It's about the results. We have already begun to focus on the second half of the year. And did you know that the S&P has closed at a year high in the second half of the year? That's July to December, 73%. Of the time since 1950. That comes from a research company that we get some information from. But that's 73% of the time since 1950. Well, again, of course, if you hear the news, the apparently North Korea is trying to make a point. Not surely exactly what that point is, but a lot of saber rattling from someone who has a very small saber, but they're trying to create a bigger one that's going to get everybody's attention. President makes a second trip to the foreign lands and sees kind of get some the media goes crazy with it it's the G20 summit and i want to remind you as always economic growth corporate earnings and inflation are always more important than politics from Bloomberg business section this week I looked at uh, got some data for you here's a here's a thought the US uh, corporations account for 19% of global manufacturing second only to Chinese manufacturers who represent 25% of the world worldwide manufacturing however manufacturing accounts for only 12% of the US economy today down from 25% of our economy 20 excuse me 50 years ago well, today's program is one that you might as well buckle up and listen carefully. It's um, unclear whether the Senate GOP proposal to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act will pass the Senate. In the coming weeks. Now, I use the word "it's unclear." There's people on the show today that will tell you it's absolutely unclear, not a chance, don't have an idea. Well, some argue that the cuts, the cuts in Medicaid and other spendings are too deep. Others argue that those same cuts are too little. They're not going to reduce the cost. Whatever the answer is, regardless, whatever happens, total health care spending is projected to grow at unsustainable rates. In the second half of the program, one of our frequent guests, a guy does a great job for us, we're going to look back at the markets for the first half of the year and the mid-year assessment of what has happened and what do we expect for the second half of the year. I may be able to couch-coach him into making a prediction. Of course, my guest today, if we're going to talk about the Affordable Care Act, Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Benefits. And if we're going to talk about the economy, it's Keith Quinn, Director of Investments at Shoemaker Financial, both frequent and well-respected guest here on Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Stay with us. We'll be right back after this.
1: Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at the Bailey Law Firm. Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks in particular, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: And welcome back to Talk Money. Talk Money is brought to you in part by the Bailey Law Firm, estate planning, elder law, and probate planning. For all generations, we thank the Mac Bailey and his team for being one of our sponsors. we uh, always very much uh, pleased to have them as part of the show. Well, I have two guests today. I introduced them, of course, as the experts and their expertise, but they are frequent guests, well-respected, and, uh, you know, have a faithful listening audience that stays with this group. Of course, most of them are Shannon Dyson's family, but that's okay. We we appreciate that listening group. I
3: thought all we were them. going with
4: well-liked,
3: <laughs> not well-respected, right? Well-liked, well-respected.
2: <laughs> well-liked, all right. Yeah, I got it. All all right. well, both well liked and well respected. Of course, who I'm. Let me tell you who I'm talking about: Shannon Dyson, Vice President of Shoemaker Benefits, and Keith Quinn, Director of Investments at Shoemaker Financial. These guys are on the program a lot because they have a lot to talk about. Welcome to the program, guys. Good Thank to you be for having us. Good to be
0: here, Jim. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it. Uh, let's
2: start. I mean, we you know we've been kidding around and talking a lot. I mean, you know we. The, the whole idea behind this Affordable Care Act, repeal and replace, has created, I think, an enormous amount of media press uh, push, and, 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 and I think the thought is it has created that sense of anxiety in our listening audience. We get a lot of questions of what are they thinking about, what's going to happen, am I going to have coverage, am I not going to have coverage, should I fear, I mean, there's, you know, you say 20 years from now... Medicaid's gone you're not going to so many so many things are being said what's the facts Shannon that's what I'm looking for what can we tell the listening audience today about the facts of what we're really seeing and what do you anticipate?
0: Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, you hear about it all the time. And most of the things that you hear are over-sensationalized. And so there's nothing that comes out from the news uh, organizations today that sounds like just straight fact. There's right. always something along with it.
2: I'm going to twist, twist it to where I want to. twist it, yeah. correct.
0: And so the, the thing to know now is that nothing has changed. Uh, you know, as we sit today... You still are mandated to have individual health insurance. If you are an employer that has more than fifty employees, you are mandated to have coverage for those employees. Uh, the reporting requirements, everything is still intact. And so, I think a lot of times we hear this on the news for months, and this has been going on for quite some time. Uh, and we heard back in January on January twentieth, uh, President Trump signed a, a bill or a, a uh, an order, a directive. Uh, but these things did not change the law, and so we still have to have health insurance. And so there, I get calls weekly. Well, is the mandate still in place? Do I still have to have health insurance? And the answer is yes. So nothing has changed yet.
2: Okay. Now, what's you know, we have the Republicans ran as far as the election was concerned in November on the fact that they will repeal and replace. I can remember. Us covering last year, prior to the election, the reality that if things don't change, the Affordable Care Act, as we know it today, is headed to a being a disaster. Sure. In fact, we've looked at several states that are down to one, maybe two carriers, and even as we predict the future, it's going to get even worse than that. So... Are we are the GOP doesn't seem to be able to push anything through or get yeah, anything I th- done.
0: I think if you did a, a Google word search back during the election probably repeal and replace would probably be the top two words that were used absolutely <laughs> in Google yeah. over that t- or search for over I mean, that time yeah. period. And I think the problem that we're seeing is that you can't you cannot get agreement with Republican senators on what that replacement looks like. I think they all believe as I think that most people see now the, the way that the Affordable Care Act is going, you have 1,400 counties out of 3,200 counties in the United States that have one carrier uh, available to in individuals for insurance. You have 40 counties that have zero uh, carriers available. So this system is failing, but the, the problem is there's not any agreement on how to fix it.
2: You know, uh, a lot of people, as you talk about this, I mean, we sense this mindset that, we, we want to sensationalize it instead of fix it. So if we're thinking about that, what do you see that's got to happen in order for this bill to get passed?
0: Well, when, when I look at this, and, and I think that some, some senators have said this, there's a, there are uh, 10 essential health benefits that is written into the Affordable Care Act. And part of those are very important. Uh, there are some, however, that have pediatric dental and vision is, is one of the 10 essential health benefits that all plans must carry. Uh, maternity coverage is one that all plans must carry. Now, if I'm a 25-year-old male, I don't necessarily need... Probably not going to need that. I don't need pediatric <laughs> dental vision. I don't need maternity <laughs> coverage. And so what a lot of, of people have said, a lot of senators have said, if we can find a way to get rid of or, I guess, change that, that language of 10 essential health benefits, we could have more carriers come into the market. Uh, It's just not cost effective for these insurance carriers to have to cover all of these for all people. And so if we could have some changes in that language, not saying that we're not going to cover somebody that has a heart attack or somebody that has cancer. We're talking about these these overreaching 10 essential health benefits. If we could have some leeway in that, that would allow more insurance companies to come into the market. Uh, When you have more competition, price is going to go down. And so that's kind of the, the things that I see that need to, that need to happen. We need to to relax some of the or relax some of that language so that we can have more competition to the market. All
2: right. Then let me ask you this: In your opinion, I mean, we've got GOP, we've got the Democrats, we have got this whole mindset, and it's it is a it is this thought of repeal and replace. Isn't there a compromise that can be worked out that seems where we can fix that? Where the some of those ten things go away, but so, most of the very yeah, cancer, you, heart attack
0: are kept. What's the thought? you would think so? And it kind of goes back to what you said just a minute ago: the over sensal, sense. What is the word I'm trying to use? The oversensationalism Sensational, of, yeah. of the media, and, and so you have you have the. I think you have good people that want to make changes, but they're worried about the changes that they make and how those are going to be perceived by the media how that is going to be then distributed to the voting public, and then you have a problem with being reelected next year. And you have a lot of people in Congress and in the Senate that, I hate to say this, but maybe their number one concern might not be getting health care uh, fixed. It might be getting reelected. And so that, Surely I think, not. is, the, is the, the issue that you come down to. But, yes, there, there are ways to make this compromise w- within within the system. Uh, and still cover pre-existing conditions. We we cannot have, I don't think we can have plans that go back to excluding pre-existing conditions. I think that's an issue that most people can agree on. Um, that's an issue that I think the Affordable Care Act really did well in addressing, because we had not addressed that well in the past. Now, it overreached in a lot of other areas, uh, but the pre-existing limitations, I think that's something that we need to keep.
2: Well, I think the Republicans also say that they're going to allow the children to stay on the parents' plan up to age 26. Which, Correct. Again, I, I'm still a little shocked with that, yeah. but I can understand that if they're yeah. in college and – That was a popular
0: popular provision, and and that's going to stay as a part of the the new law.
2: What's the problem with Medicaid, though? That seems to be the one that um, sticks out with everybody, and and they put the pictures on the paper. Yeah, there's a
0: lot of senators, uh, a lot of Republican senators, that that expanded Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, They were given the option to do so or not. A lot of states went ahead and expanded their Medicaid program. Uh, A lot of those senators are the ones that you'll hear saying, I'm a no vote. Because what this new bill does is it makes Medicaid a block grant instead of the current system. Uh, Under the current system, if I am uh, in North Dakota and I spend $100 on health care, the government, the federal government, is going to spend $133 in Medicaid. I spend a hundred. Federal government is giving us one hundred and thirty three dollars. Spending?
2: You mean the state. the state?
0: The state? North Dakota state spends a hundred dollars. The federal government kicks in one hundred and thirty three dollars. Okay. And so it's basically tied to what the state is spending to how much money that the federal government gives them for Medicaid. There's no real incentive there to cut costs as a state because if you cut costs, you're seen as cutting Medicaid spending. Sure. Uh, What a block grant does is it says, okay, this is how much we think that we've seen you spend over the years in Medicaid dollars. We're going to give you that money, and you let you, the state, figure out the best way to spend those dollars. Because one thing I didn't mention, that $133 that the federal government gives them, they also tell you how to spend that money. Mm. So it's kind of like, Jim, I give you $100, and I give Keith $100. We're going to have a contest and see who can feed the most people with $100. I don't give you any restrictions, Jim, but Keith, I tell you, you can only feed your people with sushi. You're not going to be able to feed as many people as Jim can because Jim can get creative with how he spends his dollars. Milky Ways. We could probably give give Jim $80 and he could feed more people than you could still feed with your $100 because you're tied to only offering your people sushi. And that's kind of what block grants do in a very <laughs> watered-down version, <laughs> is that it gives the states the money, but then allows them to best serve their people.
2: But the reality is that does make it where it is
0: controlled by the state. By the state, correct. And that
2: means it's closer to the people receiving the benefit.
0: Correct. Each and the,
2: state can make their own decision. The
0: states know best how to take care of their people.
2: Why did you say that the Republicans uh, voted prior... In the, the one of the, not the block grants, but the other uh, program, there were Republicans, and now they're saying there are no votes. Explain that a little bit. Okay,
0: brother. yeah, so in, in the Affordable Care Act, uh, there were provisions, or there were, I guess they called them goodies at goodies. the time. Goodies, that's what there they called them, goodies, right. and so if you as a state said, I will accept these goodies, or right. I will accept and I will actually have a state-run, uh, let me go back, the healthcare, healthcare.gov is the website. Uh, the exchange, right, exchange that the federal government set up. And so they allowed the states to have their own exchanges. And so if the state said, okay, I will have our own, we will have our own exchange. That meant you got the goodies, and that were extra Medicaid benefits. Right. So a lot of states opted to do that. And
2: when you say states opted, they were Republican-controlled states. Several, repu- Se- several, several
0: Republican-controlled right. states now, opted to do, do that. Now, people need to understand
2: that. That's part of our problem. with. we stuff. didn't in Tennessee. It, no, right? Ten- we did not. Tennessee
0: did not. And, right. and our governor said, well, I'm not going to because... Yes, it would be great to get some extra Medicaid dollars. And when you get extra Medicaid dollars, we're able to expand Medicaid, bring more people under the umbrella. However, those federal dollars are going away in about three to five years. And so what are we going to do as a state when those federal dollars go away? He was thinking long term. Right, right. Um, A lot of the states were not thinking long term. And so now you have a lot of Republican states and senators that were in those states that accepted the Medicaid, extra Medicaid dollars. That are saying, if we go to a block grant system now, the people of my state are not going to be too happy with me. <laughs> and again, it goes back to maybe they're it. a little more concerned about getting reelected uh, in the next cycle than anything else. Well, goes. and
3: it's one of the things that we've always talked about. It is incredibly hard to take away a benefit that you've given to people. Yes. And I think we're seeing that play out. Yeah, one of the
0: things that, that, that a lot of us were talking about when the Affordable Care Act was being put in back in 09 or 10, or I guess it was 10, 2010. Was that this will never go away in its entirety because we are giving away something. Something and you can never take back what you give away.
2: You know, my wife has got this solved. I mean, she, uh, t- I told her what the program was about this morning, and so she said, well, I have the solution. It's pretty simple.
3: And and I, I like it. I would put Miss Linda in charge <laughs> without even hearing what that is. I would say yes. <laughs>
2: well, you know, her thought was if the, all the House, you know, and anybody works for the government now falls under the Affordable Care Act instead of their own government plan separate, totally different than ours, completely different than ours, if they all fell under the same plan, we took everybody that's with the government system today—House, the, the representatives, the Senate—I you know, am talking about a lot of people. Sure, put them under our system. I think they'd fix it pretty quick.
0: Well, you'd have a lot of people becoming experts in healthcare. Exactly. <laughs> they'd want to know exactly what they were getting, exactly. what everything meant. And you know, when I watch some of these people speak about it today. I just sit there, and, and my wife, of course, she'll. I, I think I said this last time I was here back in 2010, I was yelling at the television because they were saying things that just weren't true, yeah. and it's hard to sit there and listen to people that are that are supposedly going to be enacting these laws that don't really know the consequences of what they're doing.
2: And their system, their health care has nothing to do nothing with Nothing to do health. with it at all. And yet no. they're the ones passing it on our behalf. I don't understand why the media is not just blasting that all over the place. You, you would think that it would be. Because to me, that's the rebellion, that as a voter, you know, I should be saying, hey, guys, make your plan like my plan. Now, if I'm going to pay the penalty, you have to pay the penalty. You come under the same plan. You're right. There would be a lot of people that all of a sudden would become become experts.
0: experts (laughs) They would be reading a lot more. They'd be looking into what the healthcare is actually doing. Because they,
2: we don't, you know,
0: you think about it. Do they have to sit and wait, as we
2: do when we go to the doctor? Like, You know, okay. No, they don't. I mean, they don't. I know they don't. And the reality is. They live in this privileged world, and they're thinking, "Well, hey guys, we're going to take care of everybody." Yep. And the reality is, uh, I would like for them to become experts. Healthcare I,
0: bubble, it yeah, is the healthcare bubble, beltway bubble. bubble. Yeah, beltway yeah. bubble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. What about small businesses? Your thoughts on that? So, small businesses. I know that a lot of small business owners that I talk with are are really wanting to see this law changed, something done with it, uh, because there's a lot. There, there are several taxes that are involved with on small businesses. Uh, with, that are involved with the health care, the current Affordable Care Act. Uh, there's current uh, laws and things that they have to do as far as reporting requirements that take up a lot of time. A lot of punitive penalties. A lot of penalties. I mean, having to offer a plan, you know, yeah. being made to offer a plan for a, for a, a company or a business owner that has, uh, let's say, restaurants, uh, has three or four or five different restaurants and has over 50 employees. I mean, there's small margins in restaurant uh, food. Uh, and so that's 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 tough for a company like that to ha- to be made to offer a health insurance plan. Um, and so there's certain things like that that they want to see go away that would help them. You know, a lot of people say and, and argue. I think rightly that this law it, it's kind of it's kind of stifled a little bit of growth in the small business because you you have these companies that may have thirty or forty employees that may not take, say an electrician or electrical company, that may not take a couple extra jobs because they know it's going to put them over the 50-employee mark. And that's a terrible place to be, to have an economic incentive to not grow your business. Correct. But that's where we sit today.
2: Well, if you just tuned in, we're talking with Shannon Dyson and Keith Quinn, and, of course, the subject has been the appeal and replace or replace and appeal, whatever repeal, whatever you want to call it. The bottom line is, get it fixed. I mean, that's it. You don't have to make this very hard. Just uh, And I still think Miss Linda's got the best solution. I, do too. I think she does, too. And, and, and you I know, would you sign can, on
3: to that. Absolutely. You can tell how political this is, because how many times did the House pass a bill in the last eight years to repeal Obamacare, knowing that the president would never sign it? Oh, now correct. that they have the chance to do it, they're not, they're
2: not
0: doing
3: it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're not doing it.
2: Yeah. Well, it's a debate. These guys are good. Shannon Dyson, Keith Quinn. We'll be back in a few minutes with more of Talk Money. We're going to find out. What did we look at in the past uh, six months? What happened with the economy? And what does Keith think is going to happen in the rest half of the year, second half of the year? Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money here at uh, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. The Voice, talk radio for the Mid-South.
1: sure to like us on facebook just search shoemaker financial we'll be right back with talk money after this you're listening to talk money with jim shoemaker financial advisors do not provide specific tax and or legal advice and this information should not be considered as such you should always consult your tax and or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax and or legal situation and now back to talk money with your host jim shoemaker
2: Welcome back. You're listening to Talk Money. By the way, I've got an announcement for you. If you do business in Memphis, then you probably already know about the Crescent Club. People have been doing going there to get stay focused, get connected with people for almost 30 years. And this Thursday, from 5 o'clock to 8 p.m., the Crescent Club is having an open house. And if you're not familiar with the club or you haven't been in the club since it was renovated, this is a great time. To get acquainted. Attendance is free, complimentary hors d'oeuvres, and the samples of their well renowned wine list. You don't want to miss that. Crescent Club is at the Crescent Center, which is at Poplar and Ridgeway in East Memphis, just off I-240 at the Germantown exit that's going east. About 20 minutes from anywhere in the city. Corin Green is the club manager, and his staff will be there to meet you and introduce you to all the things the club has to offer. Crescent Club, that's 901 684 Well, you're listening, of course, to Shannon Dyson, and we are talking about the update of the health care reform. It is a topic that will not go away. I think we're going to be talking about this 50 years from now. I mean, I'm projecting that's a... That's a I'm going to Twitter that. How about that? Just that we're going to do it for 50 (laughs) years. Go ahead and put it out there now. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead. That'll get everybody excited. I still think my wife has the best solution. If the House and the Senate had to be in the same program, as you said earlier, Shannon, they would be experts. Summarize for us. What do we got?
0: So today where we stand, the the Senate is still working on a bill. Uh, So the House passed a bill back in May. Uh, The Senate now takes that on, and they are making changes to that bill in order to get the Senate to pass the bill. Uh, But if they change the House bill, then it can't go straight to the president if the Senate does find 50 votes to get this passed. It has to go back to the House. The House has to vote again on the changes that the Senate made. If they can do that, then the bill goes to the president. So we are, I think, still a long way from getting any resolution on this process. And the problem is is that September is the deadline for insurance companies to lock in rates for 2018, to decide if they're going to be in markets for 2018. And so that's kind of the, the deadline that we're up against.
2: You know, we talked about this at the break. The GOP ran in November all last year on the fact that they were going to repeal and replace. They voted to repeal. That went very quickly. And we're now looking at each other all saying they didn't have a clue. They, don't have, they didn't have a plan.
0: I think Keith was right. It just shows how political those actual votes to repeal were when they knew that it wouldn't be
3: signed. Right. Easy to do that when they knew it wasn't going to be signed.
2: Yeah, You know, I don't understand that, guys. This is, this is the system that we're looking at. Still the greatest system in the world. Yep. Don't Absolutely. challenge that at sure. all. No. But I don't understand how in the world people that can take the responsibility of health care. Now, we're not talking about you know infrastructure is important too don't give me mean, or education right. all that's yeah, important. But, this is... but healthcare i don't want to see people you know st- i've been to some other countries foreign mm-hmm. countries where you go to the hospitals and they're stacked up in the hallways sure. and waiting for surgery and they needed it 6 months ago i don't want that yeah. i want a system that works and i don't understand why in the world if you're going to be Moving into that, they repeal it. They should have had a plan already ready to go that they knew they could get paid. They've had
0: eight years, right?
2: Eight years. It's almost
3: like they haven't talked about it amongst themselves. I mean, they can't even agree. The Republicans can't (laughs) agree on what to do. And that is the frustrating part. Yeah, Yeah. it is.
2: Well, you know, guys, I hate to tell you this. It is called politics. And uh, just reminding everybody that politics, keep this in mind now, I want to remind you that politics does not make economics and our system. Thank goodness. Amen. <laughs> I want to remind you as I, as always economic growth, corporate earnings and inflation are more important than politics. And my guest in the second half of the program who has been contributing as always throughout the program is Keith Quinn and Keith, we're going to talk about the mid-year update, the economy, the market I mean, let's just go back. I mean, as I said earlier, the second half of the year, the second half now of the year, 73% of the time since 1950 has been up. December has been a phenomenal month.
3: Typically, December is one of our better months in the market.
2: In the market, exactly. So... How has the U.S. market performed? It well, means-
3: the, the market, and I think it was critical that you and you made that distinction. You know, there's a very much a distinction between the economy and the market, right? Because yes. the stock market and the economy don't always move together. The economy's done pretty well. You know, we're still growing. Growth was 1.4% GDP growth. That's not great, but it's not recessionary. You That's know, right. so it's, it's good. We're growing or growing slowly. But the market's done great. The S&P 500 up a little over 9% in the first half of the year. That's a really good return.
2: Do you feel like we're headed in the same direction? Is that does, does well, this prediction of 73% of the time is that what we're looking at, I like to put you on the spot. Yeah, the and, that, and you know
3: that puts me on the spot because I will, I will guarantee you one thing right here. We I don't, don't know. <laughs> you know, we, that's that's the only guarantees we have is that we just don't know what's going to happen in the second half. But when we look at the economy, so that brings us back to the fundamentals. The economy looks pretty strong. It's very frustrating that we're still debating healthcare at this point because, frankly, and I think all of us said that. You know, when we were talking about this earlier. We thought this would be done by now. We thought we would be moving on. We thought we'd be talking about tax reform. We thought we'd be focusing more on infrastructure spending, you know, the things that would actually be huge tailwinds for the economy and frankly tailwinds for stock prices. But we're still stuck on this healthcare question and that's a big deal. And I think it's starting to impact confidence a little bit and you know shannon had talked about that small business owners were extremely confident after the election and we saw the consumer confidence numbers went through the roof uh with the idea that we'd get a lot of this stuff done and now it's you know reality setting in that it is awfully political that it is really hard to get things through uh through congress and onto the president's desk so i think that reality is starting to dial back the confidence a little bit and that could slow down a little bit on the economy
2: all right, so let me ask you this. Let's let's just keep let's stay focused on what's happened. What was the driver in the market? What what really why in the world? I mean, there were so many predictions that if Trump gets elected, we would have a chaos in the market. Now, I'm not talking about the economy in the market, and there seems to be some optimism going on with his 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 pro growth mentality that took place after the
3: election. Absolutely. You remember the night of the election when it became clear that Trump was going to win, uh, the futures for the SP 500 crashed. I yeah. mean, the market went, it looked like it was going to be just a bloodbath. A little over Absolute, 800 points. Absolutely. And the Dow, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that just didn't happen. When people started to think about it a little bit, then they started to realize wait a minute. Now we've got a Republican president, a Republican Congress. Surely we can get some of these pro-growth initiatives passed and I think that's what a lot of people were looking for. And I don't think that that's uh, not going to happen. I think it will happen, but I think it's going a little bit slower than people were hoping.
2: Well, you know, We had been in an earnings recession up through three quarters of last year, and then all of a sudden the first quarter, on an average, as you would tell us, 14%.
3: 14%. Earnings were great in the first quarter and that's ultimately, as you said, what drives stock prices. And that's what we look at as the fundamentals, uh, because the earnings aren't impacted uh, necessarily by what's going on in Washington. This is a good story, the earnings story, and that's global, and that's important, too.
2: And I think we'll see the second quarter earnings will be also, should, should be, be up.
3: Yeah, I don't think they'll be quite 14%, but should be growing, and that's the important thing. Earnings well, are growing, and companies are doing well, and balance sheets look good.
2: Now, let's make this statement. We'll take a break. Um, Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a break, then we'll come back. Because I think Trump gets blamed for a lot of stuff and gets credit for a lot of stuff. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If (laughs) you just tuned in, my mind of expertise is here. Both Shannon Dyson has been talking about the Affordable Care Act. Keith Quinn, we're talking about the economy. And kind of what are we looking for? And uh, how do we think things are going to happen in the second half of the year? We're going to listen to Rebecca Brazier next. And uh, we're going to talk about the Mid-South History Moment. Stay with us because we'll be right back after this.
1: If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this.
4: Despite its uniqueness, Memphis shares a great deal in common with its southern neighbor, Jackson, Mississippi. Founded within two years of each other, both cities were inseparable from the legacy of Andrew Jackson, who co-founded Memphis and in whose honor the new capital of Mississippi was named. Although, like Memphis, Jackson was founded on a river bluff, it is the only state capital to be built over an extinct volcano. Both cities were captured by Union forces in the early days of the Civil War, but Jackson bore the brunt of the fighting and was burned to the ground three times. The very few buildings that were left standing in the aftermath were for the most part either Union Army positions, including the Governor's Mansion, are structures used as civilian hospitals, such as Jackson City Hall. Today, Jackson is a regional medical hub known for many medical innovations, including the first successful lung transplant. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial.
1: You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time. It is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, if you just tuned in, I'm talking with Keith Quinn. We're talking about the economy and uh, the fact that the market is up. He says it's up. Again, the S&P is up about 9, a little over 9 percent. Right. Year to date. And the economy has grown in the first quarter and expected to show some growth in the second quarter. Now, I said before the break that President Trump gets credit for some things that are going on with the economy. And he also gets blames. That he, you know, that for things that's going on, the bottom right. line is he shouldn't get all the credit and he definitely shouldn't get all the blame.
3: Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, as you said, it's it's right to give him some credit uh, because he has fostered this, you know, this idea that we're going to get some of these pro-growth initiatives done. Uh, you know, but to blame him for anything. And, and we have to remember, we're, you know, very early on in this presidency. Right. He has not been president for that long. Uh, so it, it takes a while to, you know, have all these things have an impact.
2: Well, again, let me just – I want to keep this very, very clear because I think people – I think what happens to a lot of folks, they listen to the mainstream media. It's a lot of politics. I just need to remind you, as always, economic growth, economic growth, and I'm going to ask you some questions about that, in corporate earnings and inflation are all more important than politics. Now, I know that sounds so trivial to say to us But the reality is so many people get focused on the political side and forget that, as you said earlier, uh, Shannon, is if we can get little small companies who actually have more people employed than any of the S&P 500, the reality is that's the pro-growth. And that's what you're talking about, that Trump, there was a sense of optimism by January that what his programs were designed for pro-growth were going to happen.
3: And I think that optimism was amplified by the fact that over the last eight years, we haven't had a lot of pro-growth initiatives. So anything on the growth side, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, you know, for the last eight years, the only game in town was the Federal Reserve. It was right. all about monetary policy. And now we've got the opportunity to spend a little time on fiscal policy. And that's the really important part of the equation for the economy.
2: All right. Let me say this. Now, the markets have done pretty well. That's what you said, Dad. Absolutely. Hammered it. What about the economy? Let's let's under what's the underlying economy really doing?
3: Right. Well, the underlying economy has been good and getting a little bit better. And we saw a number this morning that we were just looking at. The jobs report came out. 222,000 non-farm payroll jobs. That's a good number, especially considering what we were expecting, which is down around 170. So that's showing that people are hiring, and people are hiring because the economy is growing and because of the optimism that you spoke about. Are we expecting the first
2: quarter? I mean, the first quarter we saw a growth of a little over 1, you said
3: earlier, 1.4%. Second quarter? Absolutely expecting it to pick up. Uh, The first quarter is typically a little bit slower, so we would expect growth to pick up in the second, uh, third and fourth quarters, and but probably going to average somewhere around two, two and a half for this year. So that's not really where we want to be. But that's 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 it's again, it's pretty good growth. Now
2: let, let's make sure everybody knows if you if you want a job, pretty much you can get a job today.
3: The unemployment rate's at four point five percent. It ticked up a little bit. Uh, excuse me, four point four. It went from four point three to 3 four point 4, 4. four. That's full employment. So you know,
2: and that's what people look at. That's right. what any economist today is going to tell you. We're at full employment and. Now we're beginning to see that you talked about this earlier hourly
3: earnings. And that's the important one because that comes back to what you had said inflation, right? So we want to see this good inflation. We want to see average hourly earnings uh, start growing. They're up about 2.5% over the last year. That's good, but we need it to be a little bit higher. And as we get with a full employment, you know, a full uh, labor market, average hourly earnings should start ticking up. And again, that gives people more money in their pockets so they can spend more, companies can make more. And, you know, we were talking about earnings. Earnings are just, how much a company actually makes. When we talk about earnings in the S&P 500, we're talking about individual companies, and I don't want to say any names because that kind of comes across as a, a recommendation, but how well these companies are doing is a reflection of the earnings growth.
2: And that's very, very important. Now, one of the thoughts is that the Federal Reserve is beginning to raise rates, and we've seen that, actually, five rates since their first one in, I think it was 2015.
3: Right. All right. December of 2015. Right.
2: Honestly. So now what's happening? Is this going to become we're going to see this as it's going to become almost like a Greenspan thing that happened in the 20, 2001, 2002, where he just started this little stair-step thing, or, or is she going to be a little more controlled, in your opinion?
3: I think she's going to be a little more controlled. So the question now is, will they raise rates again? Right now, the market is saying, you know, about a, 50, a little less than a 50% chance, I think, that they raise rates again in the fall. Uh, the important thing about this is the Fed is trying to get us back to a normalized interest rate policy. We have been so low for so long. That's It's just been abnormal. So this is a good thing that they're raising rates, and it shows it is a vote of confidence for the growth in the economy. The concern is if you raise rates too quickly, then you get into what we talk about a lot with the yield curve. You start flattening out the yield curve. Now, it's kind of hard to describe a yield curve, but just imagine with shorter-duration bonds, two-year, five-year, ten-year – Those are going to have a certain interest rate. And as you get out further, 20-year, 30-year, obviously you're going to get a higher interest rate. So you see that yield curve curving up towards the longer-dated bonds. If that yield curve starts to flatten out, the shorter-term interest rates come up. But the longer-term rates don't move, that's a bad sign, and that's one of the things that we watch for.
2: we watch for it all the time. Consumer confidence, as you said earlier. Through the roof. Yeah, and what is causing that? What do you think that is?
3: I think that's, a lot of that is about the election, and a lot of that is about the idea, again, that we're going to have some of these pro-growth initiatives. What's really interesting is the current conditions. As uh, the highest it's been and I think, uh, almost uh, 17 years, 16 years, it's really, really good. Right now, the consumers are, are, are feeling good.
2: Now, now that's important for you to say that, because when you think about consumer confidence, it's easy to say, well, it's up. Okay, it's up. I mean, we have a tendency in the media they have a tendency to talk about things. Sometimes it is, it's kind of to, to serve what they want to say. Absolutely. But – and you – a lot of times I see it and it's a 30 day number or 60 day number. But you're talking about a 16 year number. It's higher than it's been in 16 years.
3: And think about where that takes us back to, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, back to the 2000. Right. Uh, so it's, it's a really uh, impressive number. Now, what we want to see is that translate into increased consumer spending because consumer spending, as we've talked about before, funds about or, or is responsible for about two thirds of our GDP growth. So the consumer is a very important component of the U.S. Uh, economy. You know, I heard
2: someone the other day say something about housing sales and home sales, and in fact, it had fallen a little bit. And then we, then you, if you look underneath the hood, there. You find out, yeah, it's falling
3: because there's nobody. you can't find a house. Well, right. Supply has gone way down, which has pushed prices up, so a lot of people can't afford the houses that are out there, and there's not that many houses out there. And some of the numbers uh, have started to turn around a little bit. We saw existing uh, home sales were actually up a little over a percent after being down in uh, in April, and new home sales were up uh, almost 3% in May, which is another good number again, and that goes back to consumer confidence.
2: Well, if you just tuned in, you're listening to Keith Quinn. He is the investment director at Shoemaker Financial, and as you can tell, a wealth of knowledge. Uh, and he is giving us some thoughts about what's been going on for the last six months in the economy and in the market. When he comes back, we're going to find out it's been pretty good here. But how has European market fared? I mean, what's the second half of the first half for the European market, and what's his predictions? We're going to get a prediction out of him before the show's over. Stay with us. You're listening to Talk Money on KWAM 990 and FM 107.9, The Voice Talk Radio for the Mid-South.
1: podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Are you aging? Well, I am. This is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm. As we age, our concerns and needs change. An updated estate plan will give you peace of mind regarding your family and your future. Your will is about your wishes and not always about your wealth. What are your wishes? Please call us at 901-843-2760 or visit us at the Bailey Law Again, this is Mac Bailey from the Bailey Law Firm telling you that today is the youngest you will ever be. Let us help you with your estate planning, elder law, and probate needs. It's what we do. You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. You cannot invest directly in an index. Indices do not contain investment expenses, which would reduce returns. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, again, let me remind you that this Thursday, this coming Thursday from 5 to 8 p.m., The Crescent Club is having its open house. You ought to stop by. It's a place to connect and uh, to stay connected with people in the Memphis business world. That's uh, 901-684-1010. 901-684-1010. My guest, Keith Quinn. We're talking about the economy. And before the break, we had already begun to look at some of the underlying things that have been very good, very strong uh, for the U.S. economy, which is kind of an odd thing. It's almost an optimism that's created. Uh, you know, we'll give credit to the you know Trump campaign, give credit to the Trump election. Uh, not all of it's there, because we'll tell you that don't always trust in politics. But we also saw the end of a reality that was very much there, and that's earnings recession that we had seen for the first half of 2016, that's kind of been replaced with some optimism and some growth numbers. So good things happening in the United States. Now, my question to you, Keith, how has the European market I been? Mean, the European market has been just sluggish in, uh, in, the, in the muck and the mire of politics to some degree, very much politics. The European Union, we talk about Brexit. Uh, what's absolutely your thoughts? what's your thoughts you
3: know we've had all of these uncertainties around europe you know from brexit and then what was going to happen with the french election and then you know this is after all the things that we've gone through with uh with greece and italy and you know are the pigs going to default and <laughs> is the european union going to fall apart right,
2: wait a minute, wait, a minute, wait a minute. for our listener who does not know who the, pigs, <laughs> the, pigs, are the pigs everyone knows the pigs right <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said that i thought there's somebody listening right now going pigs pig what is he talking about
3: Pigs. Yeah, right. The, the the you know Portugal, Ireland, Italy, uh, Greece, Spain. You know these were the ones that were potentially going to default and fall out of the European Union. And we got past that. That didn't happen. We got past the Greece crisis. The Brexit vote. You know, Brexit has now been formally invoked. Uh, Prime Minister May has invoked Article 50. She did a bad thing by calling a snap election because the Conservative Party lost the majority in the U.K., which is going to be a little bit tricky as they negotiate how to leave the European Union. I've
2: never understood why she would have even done that. I, I didn't get that either. That, that was
3: a dumb political move. That, was, uh, <laughs> that yeah. was not
2: good for her political no, career. No, no.
3: She misread the tea leaves on she that. Did. She thought she was going to walk away from that election with a mandate about Brexit, and she got just the opposite. Yep. Uh, but the bigger election probably was in France. Because France is a a member of the EZ, the Eurozone, and they're a member of the common currency. They use the euro. So if if, uh, that election had gone the other way uh, and Marine Le Pen had won, that would have been a vote against the European Union. But Emmanuel Macron won, and he is pro-EU. So that was a good thing for the European Union. But the bigger story out of Europe, and as you said, it's not political, it's the fundamentals, is manufacturing is picking up. Unemployment is down. You know, these are things that we haven't seen in a long time, and those are really, really good numbers, uh, highest uh, readings in manufacturing that we've seen since 2011. Europe is finally I mean, growing.
2: There is some movement
3: there. And, Absolutely. And some is. excitement there. Absolutely.
2: Is. And the dollar has fallen a little bit. A lot of people want to criticize the dollar, uh, that it's down. You know, it's. I mean, if you go to Europe today, it costs you more to go. The bottom line is it's cheaper to come to the United States. So talk about that. People, The media seems to blister that. And yet Trump was very adamant that he wanted to weaken the dollar.
3: Right. A weak dollar helps our exports, right? So, you know, he wanted to do that. And we haven't seen the strength in the dollar that we'd seen, uh, especially last year. Uh, But that's one of those things, you know, currencies are always hard to play. And it's one of those things that you you think about that, and and as you said, with the fundamentals. And the fundamentals uh, look really good in Europe, and the fundamentals look really good in China. Well, I was going to ask you about China. That's the other big thing. You know, so we have these kind of we think about the biggest economies, right? So it's going to be the U.S., China, Japan, uh, the EU, uh, and everyone right now is on a growth path. You know, you can debate how fast China is growing. Is their GDP really at 6.9 percent? But the point is they're growing uh, and they're trying to, you know, make this adjustment where they've gone from an export oriented economy to a consumption driven economy, much like we have here in the U.S. uh, And they're going through some growing pains, but they're still growing and still doing good. All right. Here's the thought.
2: All of that going on, and you've done a great job. Shannon's done a great job talking about all the issues with, with, I mean, literally, the Affordable Care Act and repeal and replace. You talked about the economy. Lots of optimism. Uh, I want a a prediction. I I wanted you to help me understand what should we be looking for, and the reality being that, you know, am I I in – there's nothing really bad. I mean, you hear South North Korea doing its thing, and that's the only thing making the news.
3: What's going on? Right. But that worries us that there's nothing bad out there because that means that, you know, everything is so good. We are, with the valuations where they are in the market, with all of the fundamentals being this good, we are at risk of a black swan event. A black swan event is an event that we can't predict that comes out of the blue that blindsides us. And the problem is with the black swan event and everything doing so well and valuations being a little bit high is that we could overreact and the market could overreact. Now, will we have a black swan event? Absolutely. But do we know when? No. It could be, you know, 30 years from now. I don't so, think it's going to be that long, but, <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> so, so Timmy, so if we're thinking we've got a fundamentally
2: strong economy, not a whole lot of things that to make making the news outside right. of the comment about black, black swan. So we're looking for a decent second half?
3: We're looking for a decent second half. You know, we come back to our capital market assumptions, and we think this year that's going to play out. Stocks are going to outperform bonds. Uh, bonds are going to do pretty well. There's going to be some level of inflation, uh, and these are the things that you know we think are going to play out over the rest of the year. Now, will we have a correction? Who knows? But this is uh, only the third time since the 60s that we've gone this long w- without pulling back at least 5% in the market. And the last 5% pullback we got was right after the Brexit, Brexit. vote last year. And so, you know, under- we're, we're due, and it would be good for the market. And I would just encourage all of our listeners, don't panic when it happens, because it's going to happen. Uh, I'll
2: have you back. We'll talk about the seven fundamentals of absolutely. investing, because I think that's important.
0: Shannon Dyson? Are we going to appeal and replace? Your guess is as good as mine, Jim. But I thought the funniest thing that I heard from this last second was Keith when he said... It feels like Trump's been president forever. It really is, and it really does. <laughs> yeah, that's with a right. twenty-four hour news cycle, it feels like it's been forever, and it's only been what six months? Exactly. You got to give the guy a chance. <laughs> so we are going to
2: repeal and replace. We will to
0: repeal and replace at
2: some right. point. Yes. I tell
3: you what, if we don't, the Republicans will lose the midterms, right. uh, and we can quit talking about yeah, this. Yeah, We can Correct. quit talking about
2: it. Well, you've been listening to Talk Money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My production person that does a great job and it, uh, he does it all the time is, of course, he's my also the board operator, Gilworth. Guest in contact. Content Coordination Francis Fortner, and again the production assistant Eleanor Moscovich, Compliance Officer Tommy Armstrong. Mid South History Moment is read by Rebecca Brazier and written by Drew Johnson. My guest has been Shannon Dyson, Keith Quinn from Shoemaker Financial. Always they do a great job. Guys, thanks for listening. We're here every week. We appreciate you listening to us. I'm Jim Shoemaker here every week helping you make the most of your money. money, money,
4: money, money.
1: Jim Shoemaker and Keith Flynn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Secure and Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.